On February 10, 2016, the Honorable Jeff Merrifield, former commissioner of the USNRC, gave a terrific uh, stage-setting talk at the Advanced Reactor Technical Summit held in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, Here's the uh, introduction and his talk. We have another uh, individual with a terrific resume, but I'll just cite part of it. Uh, Jeff Merrifield, Honorable Jeff Merrifield. Jeff, uh, we have three titles here for you. the Honorable Jeff Merrifield, former Commissioner of the NRC, two terms at the U.S. NRC, where he served with distinction, focusing really on the nuclear resurgence. We don't use the, never use the term Jeff Renaissance because we didn't know how he would meet or exceed expectations. So uh, resurgence is what we're calling it. And uh, he did a lot of work there and served honorably. Uh, prior to that, he was a, uh, a senior member of the, of the Senate staff in a number of very, very key assignments. Uh, he then moved into the private sector uh, at the Shaw Group, and then uh, they were acquired by CPI. And I guess you would, if you had still been there, you would have been sold to Westinghouse at that point for future considerations or something. I don't know. But uh, he 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 he, uh, he left uh, he left CPI and moved to uh, Pillsbury, where he is a senior partner, and he also wears the title of chairman of the USNIC Advanced Reactor. Task Force, where you brought a lot of energy and direction. So here to offer a perspective from the industries, uh, please welcome the Honorable Jeff Merrifield. Well, David, thank you, thank you very much for that uh, for that very warm introduction. Before I make my formal remarks, I'll make a, a, a couple of comments. <clears throat> you know, David made some remarks about the, the weather here. I would say, you know, unlike some conferences you go to where there's a, a warm climate, Florida, let's say, and a golf course next by, you know, you're coming out here and you're at the local, you know, uh, local things you see are things like the neutron spallation source. So the, the people who are here in this room are here because it's meaningful, um, not because it's a junket. No, no one here can be accused of coming to, to this uh, location this time of year and be accused of a junket. The second comment I would make is I, I also want to uh, thank John Kotek. John has done, a, I think, a terrific job um, uh, filling the she- shoes of my friend Pete Lyon. Uh, and I would say something about John. I, I, I've been in and out of Washington for 30 years. Uh, John is a, is a sincere, um, hardworking, and nice person. Um, and that is, unfortunately, these days a, a rare thing in Washington, D.C. <laughs> you better not say that because I'm going to ask for a lot of money. So, like David, I'd like to welcome all of you to the 30th Annual Advanced Reactor Summit. And as Chair, as David said, of the Advanced Reactor Task Force, uh, it is really my pleasure to be part of this gathering here today. With the exception of President Dwight David Eisenhower's Adams for Peace speech in 1953, Hallmark moments in the nuclear industry tend too often to focus on the darker moments in the history of nuclear power. Like the proverbial Eeyore, Winnie the Pooh, the hyperfocus on TMI, Chernobyl, and Fukushima, and the unfortunate but understandable concern about the shutdown of units like Vermont Yankee, the nuclear industry's own rhetoric and self-doubt 
frequently contribute to the public questioning about this technology and cast the industry in a negative light. Unfortunately, this attitude tends to obscure what is truly an exemplary hallmark of achievement for our nation. I think it is quite appropriate that we have our conference here at Oak Ridge, which is one of the world's premier facilities in, in developing advanced reactor technology. To put it in its simplest form, scientists from around the world, spurred by the events of World War II, worked at this and its sister facilities to take mere radioactive dirt and harness it to create vast amounts of energy. Throughout the subsequent development of peaceful uses of nuclear energy in the 1950s at Oak Ridge and elsewhere, the American people today benefit from clean, safe nuclear power that provides 70% of the carbon-free generation and 35% of the world's carbon-free power. This is an achievement worthy of boastful pride. Today, the vast majority of individuals in the United States support nuclear power, and they are increasingly aware of its significance in fighting global climate change. While many nuclear activists are slowly converting to a begrudging acceptance of nuclear power, or are slowly dying off, there is a growing and enthusiastic group of individuals under the age of 40 who embrace this technology, who are not stuck in the past, and who are excited by the promise of advanced nuclear reactors. 2016 will be noted for a number of very positive events in the renewal of nuclear power development in the United States. First, as has been mentioned later this year, in this very state, Watts-Bar II will begin adding power to our nation's electric grid, becoming the first nuclear power plant to do so since the sister unit Watts Bar 1 began operations in 1996. Second, on fr Friday, uh, Friday, January 15, 2016, the Department of Energy announced the selection of two companies, X Energy and Southern Company with Power, to further develop advanced nuclear reactor designs. These awards, with a multi-year cost share of up to $80 million for, for both companies, is intended to support work to address key technical challenges in the design, construction, and operation of next-generation nuclear reactors. This follows on the Gateway for Accelerated Innovation in Nuclear Programs, which John uh, Kotek spoke, which the Obama administration announced in late 2015 to spur the further innovation and development of advanced reactors. Third, on January 12, 2016, the House Science, Space, and Technology Committee by voice vote passed H.R. 484, the Nuclear Energy Innovation Capabilities Act. This legislation, which was introduced by Chairman Randy Weber, Lamar Smith, and Ranking Member Eddie Bernice Johnson, all of Texas, would promote nuclear research infrastructure and enable the private sector to partner with the national labs to develop new innovative <coughs> reactor technologies as well as test and demonstrate new novel reactor concepts. A little over two weeks later, on January 28, the U.S. Senate, by an overwhelming vote of 80 to 4, 87 to 4, passed companion legislation, S-2461, which was introduced by Senator Mike Crapo of Idaho and Sheldon Whitehorse from Rhode Island. Now, having worked in the U.S. Senate for over 10 years, I have to say it has been decades, literally decades, since a pro-nuclear measure passed with this level of support. 
These are indeed very positive developments for nuclear power. In mathematics, the word inflection point is defined as that point of a curve at which a change in the direction of curvature occurs. Or in the common lexicon, for those of us who weren't scientists, it is considered a turning point. While some in the U.S. nuclear industry have focused on the recent shutdown of operating reactors, I believe that the recent events in the advanced reactor community represent an inflection point in the development of nuclear power in the United States. Recently, I had a chance to represent Nick at a third-way conference on nuclear reactors. For those of you who are not familiar with Third Way, and it has been mentioned previously, it is a democratic-leading think tank which seeks common ground on issues such as energy and the economy. I was struck by the broad-based and bipartisan support the Conference for Advanced Reactor Technologies and the support of, for Advanced Reactor Technologies and the enthusiasm among both Republican and Democratic members of Congress for the hope and promise that this technology represents. I commend both President Obama and the leadership of the House of Representatives in the United States Senate for their support of advanced reactors. However, <coughs> hope and promise are not enough. While these are solid first steps, they support a beginning and not an end. As I look at, a sellout, at this sellout conference, which likely could have sold twice as many tickets, I am struck by the sheer number of technology developers that are represented in this room. Unlike the circumstances of a dozen years ago, where a buyer of nuclear technologies in the United States had three choices, GE, Westinghouse, or Aviva, the advanced reactor community represents a broad range of shapes, sizes, and designs. From the more traditional reactor vendors to the university-based startups, Advanced reactors represent a far different and larger cohort than their predecessors. To fully harness the technology, the capabilities, and the enthusiasm for these advanced reactor technologies, we need to go big and we need to go bold. The recent funding announcements were a wonderful commitment and they were the best that the Obama administration could do within currently authorized programs. However, if we believe that global climate change is real, if we truly want to make a difference in developing these reactor technologies, and if we want to electrify the world, we must put significantly more money on the table. And I am talking billions with a B, not an M. Just so you understand what I am talking about, according to the Energy Information Agency, if you added up the amount that the federal government spends on renewable and biomass programs in 2015, including direct expenditures, tax expenditures, and R&D, the amount would total $15 billion. The comparative amount for nuclear power is 1.66. That, that means that nuclear power receives just 11% of what is dedicated toward renewables, despite the fact that nuclear is the only way that we will achieve meaningful carbon reduction targets. 
as a country, we must get our priorities straight and provide nuclear research, development, and deployment with the money it needs to succeed. We must be able to move beyond a program where one or two winning companies can move forward with the full support of the union. To fully embrace the vision that dates back to President Eisenhower, we must create a truly promotional focus within DOE that can support over a dozen reactor designs. Additionally, the President and Congress need to come together to create a robust research and demonstration program that not only provides the fast spectrum test reactor capabilities needed for fuel and component research, but comes with sufficient funding to allow their robust use and development. Given the time I spent as a commissioner at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, I am well aware of the dedicated and talented people who staff this agency and the commitment that each and every one of them has to their independence and safety focus. That said, I think that it is vital that Congress turns sufficient attention to the agency as it prepares to review advanced reactor designs. For its part, Congress needs to understand that the current fee structure framework which would place large fees on advanced reactor developers is a significant burden to the development of these technologies. The NRC needs sufficient sources of funding off the fee base and from general revenues to develop a risk-informed framework for these reactor designs and give it the money to allow these designs to be reviewed at low cost or no cost. Likewise, the Commission needs to recognize that the advanced reactor community needs a review process that is risk-informed, timely, and embraces the significantly smaller source term represented by most of the advanced reactor designs. I believe that there are committed individuals at the NRC and within the Commission who understand that changes need to be made and who are working hard to identify potential solutions. In my view, the NRC needs to develop a review program that will allow these reactor designs to be approved in less than half the time that is currently required for existing light water reactors as they represent a commensurately smaller risk to public health and safety. While the agency cannot and should not promote advanced reactor designs, it can enable them by creating a regulatory framework that recognizes the comparatively safe design and provides a commensurate licensing footprint. Finally, I'd like to make some remarks focused on the advanced reactor developers represented within this audience. To paraphrase an aphorism made famous by President John F. Kennedy, a rising tide lifts all boats. The greatest danger that this group faces is if advanced reactor developers attempt to promote their technology by trying to undercut or tear down others within this community. To do so will only help to undermine the effort as a whole and will diminish the enthusiasm and support for these technologies by the public. 
This is not to say that design concerns should be ignored, but this group needs to identify opportunities to work collaboratively to achieve, to advance achievements that can multi uh, benefit multiple technologies and allow a myriad of these technologies to develop and thrive. In Washington, it has long been proved that people like a winner. The sheer number of groups that have jumped on the advanced reactor bandwagon, both inside and outside of the Beltway, is indicative of the type of enthusiasm that advanced reactor technologies have attracted. With all of these voices, the advanced reactor community and the companies that wish to purchase these technologies need to be careful that they are not pushed and pulled in separate directions. Recently, Steve Kaczynski, the president of Southern Nuclear, stated his views that the advanced reactor community would benefit from a clear and unified voice. Steve and I agree on this. As he chairs the NEI Advanced Reactor Working Group, and as I chair the NIC Advanced Reactor Task Force, we are working together to find a common approach to help us all move forward. With that comment, I will leave you with a final thought. As a nuclear community, we cannot and should not allow ourselves to be measured solely by the achievements of the past. We need to look to the future. The developers and supporters of advanced nuclear reactor technologies recognize that these designs represent truly transformational opportunities to provide energy and heat for people around the world. The carbon-free, clean generation provided by these designs has the ability to improve the standard of living for billions of people around the world. It is within the power and the financial capability of our great nation to achieve the cause of these beneficial nuclear technologies, and we can and should come together to make it happen. Thank you very much. I noticed every time you mention money, you got applause. Oh, well, John mentioned money, but you got applause. I'm talking about more money, I think. We've got we've got time for uh, a few questions. Um, thanks, Jeff. Don Wolf with Advanced Reaction Concepts. I think if you want to shift the balance of money, you have to go further with U.S. public opinion, worldwide or worldwide public opinion, and uh, the uh, the film Pandora's Promise. As far as I know, incredible. Shown only once on CNN. If DOE or other agencies could do a little bit more with, with uh, media like that, that disproves some of the, the false uh, rhetoric that the knowledge that's in the green community and, and highlights some of the advanced technologies, I think you might get more pressure in Congress to move some of this money around. Uh, you know, I, let me make a couple of comments about that's a great comment, and, and I think when it comes to engaging with the public, you, you have to hit it at, at a variety of different levels. Obviously, everyone here is a nuclear communicator, and all of our cohorts, whether it's an ANS, whether it's the nuclear industry, we, we have to turn to ourselves to get out there and talk to our neighbors, talk to our communities, talk to our elected officials about these technologies and why they're important. I think that. Um, I will tell you, in comparison to when I first started working in Congress in 1986, 
And there were lots of folks who were, who were the anti-nuclear folks up in Congress. Beyond Ed Markey and a handful of others, the Democratic winner last night um, from Vermont is one of them, unfortunately. But uh, I think the, the vast, vast bulk of the elected officials in Washington, D.C. are supportive of nuclear power. There is one other thing, there's two other final thoughts I would give you. Number one, we labor under a notion of expectations about nuclear power based on what we went through in this industry. Uh, there is polling that has been done by, by NEI and others, which demonstrates that there is a yawning gap between per perception and reality when it comes to the public views on nuclear power. When you ask the American people, do you support nuclear power or not, you get high 50s to, to mid 60s. When you ask that very same group of people, what does your neighbor think? You get a 20 point gap. So people think that there is a majority of people in the United States who are against nuclear power, and that is absolutely not true. The, the diehard anti-nuclear folks are in either the single digits or, or in, in, the, in the tens. And, and we allow ourselves, and government officials allow ourselves to be held captive by people who are, who are flat earth society folks, and we've got to knock it off. Um, so, and, and the final point I would make is, I made a comment in my speech about this. There are lots of folks in this room who are like me and they have gray hair. There are an increasing number of folks who are coming into this community, particularly the advanced reactor community, who are under the age of 40. And that is a very wonderful thing because those people, do not, they embrace technology, they do not fear nuclear power, they think of it as an as a interesting and unique way of producing lots of, uh, lots of power, carbon-free, by the way, and they don't, have, they don't have the same set of problems with it. And we need to seize the hill, and we need to, look, we need to be positive, and we need to get out there and tell people, this is a great technology, God, God darn it, and, and, and we need more. Eric Knox, AECOM. Thank you. Great presentation. Um, I was thinking of the first SMR conference I went to about six or seven years ago, and, and the attendance here is really good. Um, and I think we have all the right people in the room. Jeff, I would be very interested in your perspective on how we shave time off of the gestation period from concept to deliverable product. You know, especially when, since you worked you know, not just with the industry, but on the Hill as an NRC commissioner. I'll you know, go back to the first conference I went to six years ago. Bill Magler was a speaker, and he got up and he talked about how we're two years away from you know, having licensing criteria for an SMR. And um, then I think two years ago I went to a conference and another NRC spokesman talked about how we're two years away from having licensing criteria for, for an SMR. And so we can look at the financing, the regulatory, the congressional appropriations, all of these things together. I don't think anyone's more uniquely qualified to look at from all those different angles and figure out how to shave time off. Do you see any ways we can shave time off the gestation period? Well, I think there, I think there's a, I think there are ways to do it. I mean, and, and again, it's sort of layers of things you got to be you got to be mindful of. Um, right now, the, the NRC does labor under the fact that it just simply doesn't have money. Um, I heard that there is money um, for the research program to, to help rebuild some of those things, and, and they are going to need some of that. They are going to need infrastructure building to get them up, uh, up to speed and, and not place that burden on, on the utilities who can't bear that those additional costs. So that's one piece of it. 
Um, the second piece of it is, you know, um, all too often in this industry, I mean, advanced reactors are a good example of it, you know, a lot of the things that we're talking about right now are new. You know, the, the advanced reactor designs we're talking about were all developed in the 1950s. Well, you know, a lot of these regulatory concepts have, have been kicking around a long time too. Now, I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to step on, on his speech. I know Ed Davies has been doing some, some work looking at some of the things that, that the agency has done in the past and has dug out uh, a document that, that he reminded me about, um, and we'll talk about you know, his presentation. So, so these things, I, I think these things have been thought about, and I think there are ways of doing it. I think folks are looking at what's going on in Canada. They see a pre-licensing uh, you know, step review process. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you don't need to go, you know, the, the problem you have right now is you go in that door and you got a, a long time until you get out of it. And we need to, we need to develop phased approaches so that folks who are developing an advanced reactor can, can get an early, not a full thumbs up from the NRC, but an indication that the, the designs are licensable. That will allow them to build further uh, funding. I think there needs to be additional monies from the government to support them at, at, that, at that point and, and allow the process to move. The, the final piece of it, and this is why I talk about Congress, um, Congress gets the attention of the NRC. Believe me, I know that when I was there. And we were, when I first got on board in 1998, we were talking about license renewal program. We hadn't renewed any licenses at that point, and now we're, what, 80, 80 of the 100, 100 reactors. And there was this, well, it's just, five, six, seven years now. Unfortunately, some of the later ones um, have dragged out that way. But Congress said we needed to commit to a number. And we said we could do it in 30 months. And by done the first, you know, for the first set of years, that is exactly how, how long it took to do license renewals. And, and by the way, that's how long it should take to do license renewals. I think that Congress is going to have to sit down with the agency and say, you know, our ex given what we know, you know, there are examples of what's, what happened in the 50s and 60s in getting the ACUS license. There's a certain, although not uh, ridiculous degree of, uh, of um, you know, set a number. You gotta do it in four years. These, these reactors are, are, are not of a, a risk to the public that a large 1600 megawatt light water reactors. So you've gotta come up with a licensing framework that's commensurate with it, and that includes time. Set an arbitrary number if you have to. And I think Congress can can, can hold can, the commission's feet to the fire. If they did with me. As some of you tried to develop advanced reactors uh, in the 90s, the biggest uh, objection I had from you know, potential investors when I was making the presentation was the uncertainty. Uh, you know, like you said, set a number and some sort of uh, certainty that you could achieve steps. And right now, the, there is no process. There's a lot of uncertainty, and investors, no matter how long their time frame, don't like uncertainty. So whatever the people can do to reduce that uncertainty, whatever the NRC can do, and a nice statement from the president who, says, who would say nuclear is a good thing would be helpful and cheap. Yeah. Well, I, you know, this is, this is another case of, and this goes back to my point, you know, getting people to come together with, with some sound ideas. And, and I think um, assisting and giving ideas on the regulatory framework is a good example. We really need to help the NRC, and, and, and they are working hard with the limited resources they have to, to set a framework that makes sense for this community. 
And, and we really need to prioritize that and make that happen quickly so that the folks in this room who want to move those designs forward have an understanding of the roadmap to get there. That, that's going to be a big one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lucky to have Jeff's leadership on the field for this issue. He is eminently qualified. You have the whole nexus of of Congress and NRC and DOE and the private sector. All in one experience out in, in the private sector. It, it, the convergence. Uh, you have your credibility on every front. So we're really lucky to have your leadership. And thank you for those remarks. I wouldn't have changed a word of it. I don't think. <laughs> I'll have to look at it again. <laughs>